Welcome to the More Than a Physique podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Jansen, online fitness coach, content creator, and competitive bodybuilder and powerlifter. In this podcast, we help you discover your inner athlete. Each episode will enhance your life as we provide you insights on all things health, fitness, and personal development. Now let's bring out your inner athlete. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the More Than a Physique podcast, where we discuss ways to ignite all areas of your life surrounding health, fitness, and becoming mentally elite. As always, I am your host, Kristen Jansen, and welcome to episode 25. Episode 25. Today, I actually just want to discuss some questions that I have been getting on Instagram. A couple of days ago, I did ask you guys what some of your biggest questions were in regards to fitness, and some of these questions were really, really, really good. So I wanted to discuss them here today for you all. But before we get into the topic of today's discussion, I just want to give a quick shout out to one of our listeners for one of her amazing reviews that I received this week. She said, girl, I'm still loving the podcast and just wanted to drop some appreciation for your insight on life. Thank you so much for the amazing comment. I really appreciate you all. If you guys haven't left a comment yet, please be sure to head over to iTunes for More Than a Physique podcast and leave a review, and I would love to give you a feature on next week's episode. Okay, you all, without further ado, let's get into today's episode. So the first question that I got was what are your options and go-tos for protein if you are a vegetarian? So for those of you who don't know, I have been a vegetarian for, wow, it has been two and a half years now. And fun fact, I actually always tried being a vegetarian since I was a little kid. I remember all the time just trying to be a vegetarian and it just never really worked out. I always found that it was just super difficult because I was the only one in my family. I grew up in an Italian family and, you know, just being surrounded by traditional Italians, you know, not many people understood. So I didn't have as much support and I didn't really hold myself accountable to being a vegetarian, but I have finally committed and definitely don't even think twice about it anymore. It's definitely second nature to me now, whereas when I was much younger, it was so difficult. So yeah, two and a half years strong and I love it. Yes, of course, being a vegetarian, I think the hardest part is getting an adequate amount of protein because let's face it, consuming protein is just not as fun. It's considered to be uh, a not so fun macro like carbs and fats are. So getting protein and actually enjoying it is so difficult. But what I try to do, and we'll get into the protein sources that I recommend in a minute, but what I try to do is even though you still should try to space your protein out evenly with each meal that you consume in the day, I do try to have higher amounts of protein in the beginning of the day. So that way I enjoy my meals a little bit more in the evenings. I still get protein with my meals in the evenings, but I do try to consume higher protein sources in the beginning of the day 
just because I personally like to enjoy food in the evenings. Some of my go-to protein sources right now, and just to be clear, this is just for vegetarians if you are a vegan. Uh, that is why I am not vegan yet because I don't know if I would be able to get enough protein. Um, I could, but I just, I just don't think I could have that much protein powder where I can get an adequate amount. So I imagine I will be a vegan one day and that's just because, you know, there are new food options coming out that are making it much easier to hit your protein target. So I imagine with the world and how it's going with the less meat that is being consumed, that it will get easier and easier over time. But for right now, just a vegetarian. So these are my recommendations for high protein sources. Firstly is egg whites. Egg whites are such an amazing protein source. Um, I do have them in the morning, not as often as I would like, but those are an awesome option. I also recommend having protein pasta. There's protein bread that you can get now if you live in Canada. I imagine they have it in the States as well, but I get the Country Harvest protein bread and there is 10 grams of protein in just one slice. So I eat a lot of protein bread. I probably have four slices a day because I'll have toast for breakfast and then a sandwich for lunch. And this just helps me get an insane amount of my protein with just bread. This allows me to hit a good amount of my protein targets with just bread alone. Other options that I highly recommend are lentils, cheese, Greek yogurt, and protein powder. Lots of protein powder. I probably have like maybe just a scoop a day right now. I find that I can get the rest of my protein in with the rest of my food, but for those who don't know, I am actually dieting right now. So as I diet, my carbs are going to be reduced, making it so much more difficult to hit my protein target. So as my calories get lower and my carbs get lower, I imagine that I will up my protein powder consumption to maybe two, hopefully not, but might even be three scoops of protein powder a day. I say hopefully not to consume three scoops, not because having protein powder is bad for you. If you need to have this amount of protein powder to hit your protein targets, I highly recommend it. It's better than not hitting your protein targets. Me personally, I just don't like protein powder at all. I don't know what it is. It's a texture thing. I just, yeah, I'm not a protein powder girl. I would rather get my protein through other sources such as food, but when push comes to shove, protein powder is an excellent supplement. And I'm sure there are other amazing options, like there's protein milk now too. I actually started consuming some Fairlife milk. I think there's like 14 grams of protein in just a cup of milk. Edge protein cereal, Vector cereal, a Special K actually has protein cereal now too. Very, very high in protein, I think, out of all of those protein cereals. The Special K vanilla protein cereal has the most amount of protein. I can't tell you how many grams of protein per serving, but it's pretty significant. So lots of options there. Okay, next question that I got. What are your thoughts on fat burners? Okay, fat burners. I don't know why I've been getting so many questions in regards to fat burners lately. I think it's because everybody's just dieting right now. And, you know, typically we start asking ourselves, 
what type of supplements should I be taking in order to lose fat? And of course, fat burners are a very popular supplement that come to a lot of people's minds. And I think the biggest thing that a lot of us need to focus on, and if you are, this is great, so you can ignore this part, but for those who are more concerned with their supplement regimen versus anything else, I think it's important to remember that supplements are there as a tool to help you supplement other areas of your life. So I think it's so important for us to make sure that we are focusing on our nutrition and our training. Supplements are close to dead last on the hierarchy of importance for fat loss. So if we're focusing on our supplement consumption but our nutrition isn't on point, supplements aren't gonna do jack shit for us. Same thing in regards to our training program. If we aren't on an actual optimal training program where we are making strength gains in the gym, we're making hypertrophy gains in the gym, and we are progressing, again, supplements aren't gonna do anything for us. So it's so important before you get into the question, what supplements should I take, that you actually make sure that you are focusing on dialing your nutrition and dialing in your training program, making sure that those two things are on point before you get into supplements. Now, just for the purpose of this discussion, I will give you guys my recommendations of supplements after your nutrition and training are on point, but let's just quickly discuss my personal thoughts on fat burners. So, like I said, there's a hierarchy of importance for fat loss, and there's a hierarchy of importance when it comes to supplements as well. Fat burners, I don't even think, for me personally, make the list in regards to importance if you need supplements to just get yourself to that next level when it comes to your fat loss goal. I think fat burners can be a good tool for people if they struggle to control their satiety, and this is the case for a lot of people when you are in a caloric deficit. As our calories get lower, our hormones start to change, so it becomes very difficult for us to feel satiated, meaning it's very difficult for us to feel full. We need ways and there are strategies for us to feeling full. Fat burners, they are not magical in nature in regards to burning fat. They're just basically loaded with caffeine, and that is why I say I think they are a great tool for helping you control your satiety. As you guys know, caffeine is an appetite suppressant, so it is going to help you feel satiated when your calories get super low. I honestly recommend for most people when their calories get low to increase their caffeine intake, and that's going to, one, help with their energy levels, but two, it's going to help them feel full so they aren't feeling like they're starving. Especially when your calories get super low, it's extremely normal to feel very hungry. If you want, you can utilize fat burners as a caffeine source to help you suppress your appetite. But, I mean, I would argue, though, that it's probably overpriced and it's going to be just as effective to just purchase some caffeine pills and increase your caffeine consumption through caffeine pills versus spending an extra premium dollar value on a fat burner when it's going to have the same result. So fat burners, I think, like I said, they're a great tool if you need to suppress your appetite, but that is it. I don't like the name of them because they're not going to help you burn fat. All that they are going to do is suppress your appetite so you don't overeat, so you can control your hunger, so you can control your calorie consumption. Now, having said that, like
like I said, the hierarchy of importance, I don't think fat burners are up there on the list. If you are looking for supplements to help you with your fat loss goals, supplements that I do recommend that everybody take are creatine, fish oils, and multivitamins. The reason why I recommend taking creatine is we want to make sure that we are maintaining our performance in the gym. Creatine is an excellent supplement to help with your performance output. So it's gonna help with your power output so that you can try your best to increase, if not at least maintain your strength in the gym. So that's why I recommend creatine when you are still in a fat loss phase. Next, I honestly recommend is taking a fish oil. Fish oil is such an excellent supplement, especially when you are in a fat loss phase. There's so many benefits when it comes to fish oil, but the number one that comes to mind for me when you're in a fat loss phase is it is great for joint support. I find that when you are in a fat loss phase that it is very easy for your joints to be very fragile. So having a fish oil to supplement when you are in such like a fragile state is so important. And then lastly is a multivitamin. This is so important when your calories start to get super low, and that's just because it's very difficult to get a variety of foods. As your calories get cut, it's very difficult to have a variety of micronutrients in your diet. So of course, you do want to try to supplement that through a multivitamin. Okay, let's move on to the next question. What do you prefer, bodybuilding or powerlifting? Okay, this is a tough one. Just because of my back injury, I would argue that powerlifting and I are not really friends at this point in time. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't like powerlifting. I love it. I think the three big lifts, the squat bench and deadlift, are so empowering, especially as a woman. You know, when you go under the bar, when you're able to push a good amount of weight that's considered to be impressive to just yourself even, it's so motivating. But the wear and tear that comes from powerlifting and just the prep of it itself is, of course, extremely difficult and it makes it very, very hard. Even just going through this back injury myself, you know, like I do want to compete in powerlifting again, but I don't know if I will. I think I'd like to just from like a recreational standpoint, but not to be competitive. So I probably won't push myself as hard because to me, you know, like it's been 10 months and my back's still like here and there. It gives me a little bit of grief. It's just not worth it. But the competition itself is so much fun. I like the competition day for powerlifting much more than the competition day for bodybuilding. And that's just because it's so not competitive with other people. I think that it's just, it's just a better vibe. I have found, you know, like you have competitors that you're competing against in powerlifting where people are, yes, of course, you're trying to lift the heaviest out of a group of people in your weight class, but you have people cheering you on, which is amazing. Like just the, the vibe and the support alone from your fellow competitors is so empowering and so motivating it's so nice that the ego is kind of taken out of it in a sense because all you're really doing is worrying about whether you can hit your lift and so many people are lifting a good amount of weight that you are hoping that the other people that you're competing against can even hit their lift so it's just a different type of competition where even though you're competing with other people it doesn't feel like you are because you're still rooting for the other person and that's where like on competition day when it comes to bodybuilding, 
you know, everybody's still supportive, but you're still like comparing yourself to other people, which is natural. That's the nature of the sport. And you know, like it's tough, like mentally, it's tough comparing yourself to other people because there is no way that you can control how somebody else looks in comparison to how you look. And it's up to the judges who are subjectively looking at you saying you're not good enough. Whereas in powerlifting, you either hit the lift or you don't. It's not like you hit a lift and the judges say, no, that wasn't good enough. Uh, of course, unless your form is shit. But most of the time, like the judging itself is different where you either get the lift or you don't. But in bodybuilding, you can look your absolute best. You can have the best posing, the best shoulders, the best glutes, the best hair, the best nails. The suit color is just to die for. And you can have somebody still telling you, it's not good enough, you're not the best. So I think that part is very difficult when you're competing in bodybuilding. That part, I like. I actually don't always enjoy show day when it comes to bodybuilding just because of that. And I'm not gonna lie, like I'm like the least girly girl person out there. So getting all dolled up with your nails, your, your tan, your hair, your makeup, and you have to sit in it all day just waiting to go on stage for 30 seconds. I don't enjoy it all that much. Depends on the federation, like the last federation I competed in, you definitely got more, much more time on stage. So that made it much more enjoyable to get kind of dolled up to show off your hard earned physique that you worked so hard for for the last 20 weeks. But I would argue that the thing that I like about bodybuilding more is definitely the training. As much as I like the squat bench and deadlift, you're not training for two to three hours a day like you are with powerlifting. Like when I was competing in my first meet, I actually had to bring food with me to the gym because I was there for so long. So it can be very exhausting, the training for powerlifting. But for bodybuilding, I definitely do enjoy higher volume. I definitely do enjoy working on different muscle groups besides the squat bench and deadlift. Like you guys know, if you follow me on Instagram, shoulders are my jam. It's probably my favorite muscle group to train. And when you're prepping for a meet for powerlifting, you definitely have to reduce that volume in other areas. So you can try to reduce any inflammation and reduce any risk of injury by overtraining because you're doing so much volume for the squat bench and deadlift alone. So there's definitely a balance there. But I mean, I would definitely recommend everybody try at least one of them especially powerlifting, I think it's definitely still extremely underrated and just the competition day alone makes it so much more worth it. It makes competing so much more fun and just kind of, it's a good culture and I think everybody should experience that. Okay, the next question is, how low does body fat percentage need to be on a woman to see muscle definition? Ooh, okay, famous answer here that everybody loves so much. It really depends. It depends. It depends on the woman. It depends on her height, shape, size, how long she's been dieting, how much muscle she has. The body fat percentage is going to show differently on any woman. Even if they're the same height and the same weight, their muscle density is going to be much different, resulting in the body fat percentage for muscle to show through to be extremely different. So I think a lot of women show lots of muscle definition at a higher body fat percentage. I think focusing on a serious 
series of body recompositions and getting stronger in the gym is a better approach to achieving that more defined look versus using body fat percentage as a measure to ensure that you're seeing that muscle definition. Body fat percentage, it is so difficult to measure. I don't think that it it's not accurate when you are measuring it at home unless you are going to actually get your body fat percentage professionally measured. It's such a pain in the butt. I just think it's much better to focus on other indicators to ensure that you are making progress for muscle growth and muscle definition. I think women naturally, they hold more fat because of our hormonal makeup. So it's important to not chase that certain body fat percentage if muscle growth is your goal. The only time I would strive for a lower body fat percentage is when you are ready to step on that bodybuilding stage or maybe even if you're trying to do a photo shoot, but it should be a short-term goal. We need to have that fat on our bodies to survive so we can still see muscle definition at a higher body fat percentage. I would argue that right now I am probably sitting at maybe 20% of body fat right now. And I mean, I know you guys can't see a picture of me, but just go look on my Instagram. I think it's safe to say that you can still see muscle definition on me at a higher body fat percentage. Okay, let's move on to the next question. Oh, this one is a good one. How much cardio should you do for fat loss? I think it's important to note here that in order to lose weight, you have to drive a caloric deficit. And a lot of people drive their caloric deficit through their nutrition alone, where they do zero hours, zero minutes of cardio. There are two ways that you can drive a caloric deficit, and that's through your nutrition, and that is through cardio. So that is by reducing the amount that you are eating or increasing the amount of energy that you are spending. So I think it's important to kind of self-assess to understand if you actually enjoy doing cardio. What would you rather? Would you rather eat less food or would you rather spend more energy and do more cardio? Cardio is a great tool for controlling your caloric deficit if you don't want to eat less food, but there's actually no set amount of cardio that you need to do in order to lose fat. So having said that, you don't want to do too much cardio when you are in a fat loss phase. And that's just because it can hinder your performance in the weight room. So if you do prefer to do cardio for fat loss purposes, if you do prefer to do cardio to help drive that caloric deficit, you do want to pay attention to your performance. And if it is starting to suffer extremely noticeably, then I think it's important to scale that back and try to control your caloric deficit through your nutrition versus doing too much cardio. So don't rely on cardio as a primary tool source for fat loss. I think the majority of your fat loss should come from your diet. And that's just because it is much more accurate as well. I mean, it's very difficult to measure the amount of calories that you were spending when you were doing cardio. Like, don't even think about listening to what the machine is telling you. It is extremely inaccurate. If you, like, are on the treadmill for 30 minutes and it's telling you that you burnt 400 calories, it's probably closer to 100 calories. Whereas if you eat 400 calories less a day, you're 100% sure that you have eaten 400 calories less a day. Like I said, it is much more accurate. So it is going to help you get to your fat loss goals that much quicker 
because of the amount of accuracy that controlling your caloric deficit through nutrition has. Okay, you guys, we are going to get into our last question here because uh, otherwise I could ramble on to you all all day. Okay, the last question. What are your thoughts on fasting? Okay, so fasting seems to be making a comeback right now. Um, <laughs> a lot of people are considering fasting and my thoughts are that I think it is a great tool to utilize when your calories are getting super low and you enjoy larger meals versus smaller snacks. Fasting actually has no literature to suggest that there are additional benefits for fat loss. The only way to lose fat is by driving a caloric deficit. How you consume those calories throughout the day, it doesn't matter. It doesn't make a difference for fat loss purposes. So fasting is a good tool as your calories start to get super low so you can control your meal timing differently so it can help you feel more satiated so you don't feel like you are dieting as aggressively as you might be. So it's a great tool to utilize when your calories are low and you enjoy having more calories to consume later in the evenings. And this is me. I love having delicious meals in the evenings because I'm so busy throughout the day. I don't really like think about what I am eating. I don't get emotional with my food. Whereas at the end of a hard day, and there's actually been studies to suggest that we are more likely to binge in the evenings because of how stressed out we can be in the evenings that we get more emotionally attached to food, especially us women. We enjoy having um, foods that we actually enjoy in the evenings. And that's just because, you know, if we've had a stressful day. So I think it's a great tool to utilize for you to eat lighter throughout the day, fast in the morning, eat lighter in the afternoon, and then you can have more calories that you've saved up for the evenings. Um, I also think it's a great tool to utilize. You're super productive in the morning. You just get up, grind. You don't even think about food first thing until like later in the afternoons. So it's a good tool for that as well. I don't think that it should be mistaken as an optimal method for fat loss. Like I said previously, the only method for fat loss is being in a caloric deficit. This is not dependent on the timing of your meals. I don't think also those who have binge eating disorder nor an unhealthy relationship with food should attempt intermittent fasting. Eating all your food within an eight hour window versus 16 hours, it could create the false illusion of food scarcity for some people. So if we only have eight hours to eat all of these foods, it can increase the likelihood of binge eating. So if you do have history with that, I don't even recommend trying intermittent fasting. So overall, Always talk to your coach and weigh the pros and cons of implementing intermittent fasting for yourself. Like I said, it's a great tool to be utilized at the right time, but it's definitely not for everyone. Okay, my friends, that is all the questions that I have today. If you guys would like me to do another Q&A, I really enjoyed this. I hope you did too. Just make sure you send me an email, kristen at thenattyhour.com, or feel free to send me a DM on Instagram at kristen.jansen. Uh, make sure you guys are following me on Instagram as well and tag me in your Insta stories showing me that you are listening to this podcast, showing me your support. That really helps out the podcast and means the world to me. And it would be amazing to be able to connect with you all so I can see what you guys are enjoying and also get an idea of what you would like to see 
going forward. That about wraps up this episode this week. My friends, I hope you all enjoyed it. I hope you found it helpful. Make sure you stay tuned for next week's episode. But until then, go out there, strive for more, be more, and ignite your inner athlete. Thanks for listening, you guys. I'm Kristen Jansen. I'll talk to you guys next week.